Hey, Greg. Hey, Andrew. It's November 20th, 2017. What you into? I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving. I don't have time to like <laughs> read books or play video games or watch TV. Um, we have we celebrate Thanksgiving every year in New Jersey, and I am the designated chef, which means um, I have to do a lot of pre-prep in order to get a Thanksgiving from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. And this year, it's not just a turkey and, you know, half my kitchen that I have to transport to New Jersey. It is also all that stuff, plus a baby and all of her equipment. So we've had to get really creative. And um, so I've been doing Thanksgiving prep. Uh, and I've managed to play a couple minutes of Destiny 2 when I've absolutely been uh, too exhausted to do anything else. But that's just about all I've done. Although I did manage to sneak away on Sunday afternoon and see a little picture you might have heard of. Oh, yeah? The Justice League. Oh, oh. Is that like the sequel to League of Their Own? Yeah, it's the Just Us League. <laughs> uh, I promise we're never going to do a joke like that again. No promises on this end, folks. <laughs> using using the word joke very, very loosely. Yeah, but I saw Justice League on Sunday. Have you seen Justice League? I saw Justice League on Saturday. Do you think maybe we should talk about Justice League? If we have to. We kind of no, do. Should. I mean, we've been we've been preemptively talking shit on this movie for the better part of a year now, <laughs> so I guess it's kind we kind of had to see it. Um, so let's, I mean, let's talk about it. That's how we heal, right? We talk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, uh, overall, what'd you think? Why don't you go first? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I went in with the bar set. I mean, I, I didn't even set a bar. I was like, what's the point in doing that? We know this is going to be a steaming pile of garbage. However, this movie wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. I'm not saying it was a good movie, but I think it's the second best DCE movie put out. Well, low bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I went in with low expectations. I mean, I knew everything about this movie that the rest of the world knew, and signs were not good. And let me say, this is a bad movie. This is a dumb, bad, sloppily made movie that doesn't make much sense and doesn't have a point of view and underdevelops its characters and has a plot that only barely holds together. But I don't hate this movie. <laughs> no one in a million years would ever have thought this was going to happen for us on this no, podcast. And I, and I repeat, and this is not because I, I went in very hard. Because I saw a lot of the reviews that we were seeing going in were like, it's not good, but it's not Batman versus Superman bad. Like, it's no Wonder Woman, but it's also, but I, you know, but it's also no Suicide Squad. And I'm thinking that's really, really damning with faint praise because to be better than Batman versus Superman, I mean, does your movie have a narrative logic? Then you're better. You're already better. Is there, <laughs> does your movie have a beginning, middle and end? You're already better than Batman versus Superman. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I've got a long list of reasons this movie is bad and I was not happy when I was watching this movie, <laughs> but here I am 24, you know, 36 hours later. And I just, I don't hate this movie with the same hatred that I feel for Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. I, I feel very similarly. I might be even like a hair, like 
even a, even just a slight one notch less hateful than you maybe <laughs> like i mean i this is not like you said this is not a good movie by any metric but there's some legitimate things that i legitimately enjoyed and there's also it, some indication that dc might be learning <laughs> they're evolving like um, like you know like baby steps right like nothing like oh they've you know it's like going from preschool to kindergarten it's like oh they're trying look at them and and I, I just want to be very clear. When I say, I don't hate this movie, I'm not saying like, you know what? This movie's kind of all right. Or like, despite its flaws, this movie is, you know, pretty fun to watch. Like, Crank 2 is a demonstrably bad film, but it's a lot of fun to watch. This is not that. This is a bad movie that is boring and a little bit confusing, but... I don't know. I just, I, I don't have negativity in my heart for it. I don't understand why. I, I think it's because I know what you're saying. I kind of feel the same way. Um, although I, I, I'm not, I don't know that I was confused much at all. So we can talk, come back to that point, but I want to know what you're confused about. But um, somebody had just been like so, trying so hard not to like pay attention to the plot because I knew it wouldn't make any sense that I just wasn't even paying attention. But uh, no, I, I, I think it's because it actually, I said, you could, I think for me, the reason I don't have the negativity in my heart is because I see glints of like, oh, I really see that they're trying to like write this. They're acknowledging this mistake and trying to write this course. And because of that, it's harder for me to be like, God damn DC again. Like, yeah, maybe that's part of it. Is that like, it just seems like it's trying to be a good movie, <laughs> which like it's not, it does a bad job. But when you look at that versus like Batman versus Superman, it's almost like that movie was aggressively telling you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> like every moment of that movie was just a big fuck you to the audience and to common sense and to, you know, fans of these characters. And Suicide Squad also like it, it was very clearly like, oh, no, we're not trying to be a movie. We're trying to be a commercial for Hot Topic shirts. Like, yeah. whereas this is like it's at least trying to be a movie and like it wants me to like it. Like, it's actually like, it's trying to be my friend. So I can only hate it so much when it's like, actually like, no, Hey, we're, we're trying to make you a good movie for you. Right. So just as a refresh for those of you who may be joining us new or don't follow all the deep details about these movies, two, two interesting, two interesting things about this movie. First is that, you know, originally created, you know, everything put together by Zack Snyder and that normal team. Uh, and then he left for personal reasons. And then, they brought in Joss Whedon to sort of continue towards the end of production, but he did a ton of reshoots. Also applied to this movie is the fact that the studio said this movie cannot be longer than two hours, yeah. which explains many things. Uh, not that I'm saying I wish this movie was longer, but you can very much tell that like we've got a lot to do and there's not a lot of time, which plays with the pacing in, in not a great way. Uh, so that's the first thing I didn't like is like the pacing's pretty rough it's pretty and not in like the slow drudging kind of terrible way of like batman or superman but more just like more, more closer to like suicide squad where it's like clearly they filmed a lot of stuff and were just kind of stitching together things to make scenes yeah they clearly had to cut it down and i agree with you on the pacing because the movie's called justice league i know that it ends with a team up of these characters but we still spent half the movie getting the team together. And that just felt like, why are we spending all this time here? And then when we get to kind of 
the middle act where we get to the whole reviving Superman bit, all of a sudden that comes out of fucking nowhere. There was very little buildup to that. And then all of a sudden that's happening. And then all of a sudden Superman's a bad guy. And then all of a sudden he's good. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm just want to go to the farm. And then all of a sudden he's like, I want to help out and fight the bad guy. So it's like we spent the first act of the movie really kind of taking our time and really, really establishing how uh, bummed out Cyborg is about his cyborg body. They really wanted to make sure you understood how bummed out that dude was about that um, before finally getting into like the actual Justice League part of the movie. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the obvious thing to point out is to say, well, Avengers could jump to it a little quicker because, you know, we know all these characters and have to actually introduce four, what, three brand new characters to us in, you know, 20 minutes or whatever they did in this movie, especially characters that they're trying to actually, well... We'll get back to this. Some of them they're trying to do some justice to, or at least do things with, because they also want these characters to go on and have their own movies and, and whatnot. Uh, but the best way that I heard this described was talking to somebody, and, and they, you know, they said they had read that someone describes a movie as like, you ever hear a little kid that it like like tells a story, like a five-year-old, and then this happened, <laughs> and then this happened, and this happened. Oh, then also yeah. that happened. And it's like, yeah, that's this movie. And some of those things are legitimately like interesting and cool. But most of like it just doesn't it just happens. It's just happening. The yeah. movie is happening at you, not really pulling and, you in. And this goes back to, um, you know, kind of a one of those pithy lessons about good storytelling is that the words that connect your scenes should be because or meanwhile. And I think this is Orson Welles, who, who kind of you know, coined this way of thinking about things is that the scenes should follow each other, that the next scene happens because of the, of, of what the characters experienced in the scene that came before it. Or if it's not directly related, it is what is going on meanwhile over on the other side of town. Then you're right. This movie really has just, and then logic. It, it's just, um, and then he recruits the flash. Why? Because what? Well, the flash joins the team. Because why? Well, and then he gets a suit and it's like, it just, it's, you're right. It's and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, which is just that weak storytelling. And, and also I feel like, and, you know, I know we want to like kind of do character, character breakdown a little bit later, but this is one of the ways that this movie, I really feel like really short changes Batman is because almost Batman's entire role in this movie is to be the and then mechanism of the plot. Like, he's just there to explain shit to the other characters and tell them where to go next and to move them forward in the journey of the plot. Like, he doesn't actually really have any real motivations or, um, you know, purpose other than just saying, well, I guess we have to go wake up Superman now. Oh, but I don't want to wake up Superman. No, we should really do it. Okay, let's do it. Like, it's, it's just, he just pushes the plot forward. He's the voice of the plot outline. Um why are the characters doing this? Because Batman told them to do it. It's like, ugh. Why does Batman want it done? I don't know, because we have to get to the end of this movie somehow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had some things I think I'd say about, about Batman, but we'll get there. Uh, I just wanted to go over quickly for me. So, like, the plot and the villain were stupid and simple, but it actually kind of worked for me compared to the convoluted mess that was, like, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad and even some of, you know, a couple of the Marvel movies. Like, bad guy is bad. He's going to destroy the world find and then fail at finding these things and then stop the things from doing the thing they do. Steppenwolf, he, he was a stupid, stupid villain, 
but he doesn't. He's like not much worse than some of like the lesser MCU villains. So I'm I'm probably a little warmer on Steppenwolf than you, and I think that part of this is because it seems like this movie was lurching towards a tone and a style that the DC universe I think could own. That's a little bit more cartoonish and allows the villains to be just scenery chewing monsters. Yeah, and um. And allows the heroes to be like invincible goofballs. Like that could work in contrast to Marvel, which tries to do a little bit more humanistic thing. Well, I'm uh, glad I'm glad you said that, be- and I'm glad you used the word cartoonish because for the third act of this movie, I just told myself I was watching a cartoon or like a really nice video game cutscene, and it was like, "Yep, this is working for me." Like <laughs> that's what it was. Like it's so. I mean, not only because it's just so CGI, but that's sort of what it reminds me of. And I was, I mean, kind of okay with it. I, so, but that, but that, and, and the reason that works for Steppenwolf, although I also think Steppenwolf works in a little bit of ways that other characters in movies don't. He looked too much like a cartoon. I'll say that, right? But he was definitely the hero of his own story. Like he was, this guy was like clearly devoted to his weird cult you know, his weird dark side cult and was like, he thought he was redeeming himself as a conqueror and a warrior. And I'm like, cool. That's clearer than Ares. Who's like, I'm making war because I'm the God of war. <laughs> right. Um, no, I definitely like or, him better than Ares, you know, um, or even, even Hela as good as the performance was, you know, Hela's motivation was like, I want to be the king. And at least his was like a little bit clearer. So I didn't mind Steppenwolf as a character. One thing that uh, about this is related to Steppenwolf, but just as like a side is that, you know, the scene which is showing like the ancient battle scene with all the Atlanteans and the yes. Amazons and like the gods and like the, the Green Lantern that shows up. I thought that that like flashback was stupid, but awesome. Yeah. So that's a, OK. <laughs> Let's talk about that flashback a little bit. Number one, I had a, it flashed me back to Thor Ragnarok when they had the big flashback to the battle between the Valkyries and Hela. Mm hmm. And I was like, this is one of the best looking things in this movie. This looks so amazing and like has that like mythic Asgardian weight to it. And I'm like, this is awesome. I want to see a whole movie like this. And of course, it was only like 30 seconds long. And the the battle scene in Justice League was like almost exactly that with a different color palette. And I was like, this looks amazing. I want to see the whole movie like this. So why can't they do that? I don't know. And, <laughs> and instead show us like, oh, here's a dumbed down version of it later on. Yeah. Like, and just like, I don't know what about the way it was portrayed, but like that Green Lantern, like flying in and like fighting and then instantly getting iced and then the ring popping off and flying up. I was like, yeah, that was cool. Like, give me a Green Lantern movie. That's just this basically. <laughs> And I, but this, but this also causes some problems for me, this scene. So first question is, so the movie establishes that Steppenwolf was, you know, he wasn't coming to earth because Superman was there, right? Pretty that much. That was why yeah. he, he didn't come back. So, there was I'll, I'll a lot say, I'll of say time. some of this movie, it was established that. All right. But a lot of time passed between when he first got, you know, thwomped by the Amazons and Atlanteans. And then when Superman shows up on earth. Like a thousand years or so. What was he doing then? <laughs> because at some point the Amazons were like, you know, they ran off to Themyscira and that clearly happened well before World War One. So why didn't he come back then? There was a plenty of gap between like Amazons and Superman where he could have attacked and it just 
that's a such a lazy explanation. They're like, oh no, because Superman was here. Well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And then also, if you remember, the in that cool epic battle scene, he had these fucking doomsday ships coming in and filling the sky with pillars of flame, and all of this cool stuff was happening. And then when he comes back a thousand years later, it's just like him and his little flying monkeys. <laughs> Wouldn't you come back with a bigger armada? When you're like, hey, I feel like I can capture Earth this time. They've got one less, you know, super person. Plus, I've got a lead on at least like two of the boxes. Maybe I'll just bring and you know what? For good measure, let's bring a, an army that's meh, 50% bigger than last time. I'm sure we'll get it. No, they're like, nah, you just you got your hammer, right? You're good. Like, yeah, it just it's this that doesn't make sense. And again, it's also just you feel cheated when you see this big epic battle sequence, but only if you see 30 seconds of it, and then it's like, oh no, they're just going to like, they're just going to toss each other around inside of a nuclear cooling tower for a while at the end of the movie, you know? Yeah, I, I, the only thing I can think is that, so it's very vague of, you know, we learned in Wonder Woman that all the gods are dead, except for Ares, and we see the gods fighting and doing a lot of the work in that big battle scene. We see like, I assume that's supposed to be Artemis, you know, taking down entire spaceships, Yes. <laughs> yeah, with her arrow, which is awesome. And you have like, I guess that was Zeus like frying seven with lightning. I'm like, yeah, this is sweet. Give me more of this. Give me give me Olympian gods and Green Lanterns fighting next to each other. Like just yeah, a whole movie, please. And so, but we learned in Wonder Woman that they all are dead. And they mentioned this thing. that old gods are dead. But we actually maybe don't know when they all died. I don't know. That's like the, the most reaching possible explanation I can think of. Like maybe they were around longer and I don't know. Doesn't really but make even, any sense. Even if but... they died two weeks before the start of Wonder Woman. That's true. Right? That takes place, let's say, 1910. Because she's about 30 when, um, or, you know, it's 25 or 30 when the, uh, when, you know, the proper action of Wonder Woman starts up. So even if they died that week, so yeah, 1910, and then Superman doesn't really become Superman until like 2000. That's 90 years, dude. <laughs> no you're right you're right and then you show up like two weeks after superman dies for real no this just doesn't make a, any sense and that's why i say like it's confusing because there's just these obvious things that don't make sense another example from the end of the movie why does bruce wayne need to buy the entire bank in order to give to buy back the kent family farm i mean first of all at this point everybody knows that clark kent is superman right <laughs> secrets out um so Superman comes back to life, saves the world. And again, this is a guy they build statues to and the world mourns when he dies. He comes back to life and that bank is still like, yeah, nah, though, we're not giving you that house. <laughs> like, I would think that bank would be like, no, absolutely. Superman, have your family house back. Um, but then even then, why doesn't Bruce Wayne just be like, hey, I'll buy that house. Instead, yeah. he's like, no, I'll buy the whole bank. Like, it's just... It's just stupid. Like, it's like, that doesn't... Already, I'm watching it, and this isn't one of those, like, go back later and think really hard about it, and, um, and you know, well, that was a plot hole. It's like, as I was watching, I was like, that's fucking dumb. Yeah, like, it, it was an, it's an attempt. Is that much of an idiot with his money? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's two things. It's an attempt to bring humor in a movie, which I'm going to come back to in 10 seconds, <laughs> but, because I can't wait any longer. But it's also just, like, a stupid, like, for some reason, people think that's simpler. Like, buying a whole bank is simpler than, like, buying a house where, I mean, corporate acquisitions is, like, a really complicated process. Yeah, this, this, would, take, this would take years. Yeah. Because I'm sure Bruce Wayne owns other banks that probably also do business in Kansas. So then you got to work with the FEC to work out, like, 
monopoly conflict. Like, just be like, no, I bought the house. Let's watch that boardroom drama. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the humor in this movie is terrible. Like, I mean, I can't, with a capital T, I was comparing it, you know, we come off of watching Thor Ragnarok where I pretty much belly laughed for half the movie. And this movie... I didn't laugh a single time. Not once. No. No. Not a single time. And I this mean, f- felt like, this honestly felt like some first year film student doing their best Joss Whedon impression. It for really the funny did. scenes. And it's, and, and like, I will say that it wasn't quite, I really expected it to be super obvious what was Snyder and what was Whedon to me. And it really wasn't, which was surprising. I really expected to have like a very jarring feel to it. There's little things I, I could tell, like, that was definitely Whedon. Not because of, like, whedon dialogue, but just because, like, oh, he actually knows who these characters are a little bit. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's just, like, you know, you can only, I mean, he he did reshoots for, like, three months. And there's only so much you can accomplish a lot of times. So who knows what exactly it was. I do know that the entire Superman resurrection scene was a, was a reshoot. Because originally, Zack Snyder, like, I'm going to assume, had Superman come back and, like, be bad longer and have to fight him and he had the black suit like that's like a confirmed thing that definitely ha- was going to happen so i'd be curious to see what snyder's like initial <laughs> visions of this were but yeah so but yeah to, to continue on sorry I digress but yeah the humor was i mean no i, I i'm someone who likes joss Whedon's humor and i didn't pick up on anything that was oh man good in this movie at all well and it went it was so uneven because it seemed like they tried to add some humor and add some lightness, which is the right idea. And I think that they obviously were kind of screwed because they had a Zack Snyder movie and tried to try to make it funny. So you can see where the seams are because Zack Snyder has no sense of humor. Um, that's kind of how it felt to me. Yeah, that's exactly the best, best way to describe it. But you can so you can see where the seams are. But what they did was it seemed like they just tried to take new scenes and make everything in them funny. And everybody in the scene is, is, is telling jokes and that doesn't always work. Um, or you had this dichotomy of like, you've got jokesters and you've got brooders and, um, you've got Wonder Woman and Cyborg who are like being real serious all the time. And then you've got everybody else who's being a jokester and it doesn't work when one of those jokesters is supposed to be tired ass Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I did not like making him into, like, one of the funny guys. Like, Batman can crack a one-liner here or there, but he was trying to pull too much here, and I didn't I didn't yeah. like that. They were trying to lean on him for humor, and that's a bad fit for this version of Batman. Right. Yeah, it's and, not the fit. Like you said, it's about, like, this is supposed to be 55-year-old Bruce Wayne who can't take it anymore. Right. And, I, I mean, even it would be better if it was, like, dad jokes. You know, he's trying to relate to these younger kids and he's bad at it. Like that would be kind of funny on its face. But yeah, I don't like jokey. This version of jokey Batman. Um, no, thank you. No. So and even if you if you look at like if you look at the Avengers movies. Yeah, everybody gets laugh lines. But, you know, Tony Stark is a more consistent like I've got laugh lines. I've got laugh lines. I'm telling actual jokes. Um also Spider-Man. I am making observational jokes. Um, and yeah, Captain America gets a few laughs, but usually it's either, you know, contextual of like, oh, he doesn't understand the modern world, or he says something clever about Tony. You know, he's jabbing. Like, they each kind of have their different approaches to humor. 
Right. And this one, it was all just like, they're all doing the observational, like, oh, that looks like it hurt or that kind of thing. It's just, ugh. anyway, sorry, continue. No, no, it's, it's exactly what it says. Like someone said, oh, I take this and I funny this up a bit. And it's like, that's not how you yeah. can, you, you have to make, <laughs> make these, make humor part of these characters. Don't shove humor on top of them. Yeah. Make every, make every character 20% funnier. Yeah. No, that's not how this works. So I, I thought since this movie was basically just a collection of scenes with individual heroes, <laughs> I thought that it would be good to just go character by character. And as I was thinking about my thoughts and I kind of realized I was mentally slotting things that way and then realized it was pretty much just a, the best way to review this movie for me. <laughs> yeah. So who, where, where would you like to begin? Let's start with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. All right. My first thought about Wonder Woman is that this character deserves a lot better than loving shots of her ass in leather pants. Oh, my God. Right. Like there were far too many of those guys. Far well, now, too many. It's all starting to line up real bad where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot this movie was made by Brett Ratner's production studio. Oh, and did you see all the Amazon's outfits that are completely different from where they were? I mean, you know, in, in Wonder Woman. So before they had like nice utilitarian like hardened leather stuff and now they're like yeah. oh and leather bikinis and like this god yeah. damn it i will say i did like the scene on themiscaro yeah like, that was, that was the cool best scenes. that was cool but um, yeah i just and wonder woman is supposed to be like stunningly beautiful and you know statuesque she's not supposed to be like ooh, look at her sexy body but there were a couple outfits they had her in where i'm like this is don't do this. Yeah, she was showing a lot of cleavage in that one outfit. And, I, and I'm like, it bothered me because I'm like, yeah, yeah, Gal Gadot is a very pretty woman. But like you said, like Wonder Woman is not supposed to be sultry like or like I won't say she's not supposed to be sexy because that can be different for different people. But like, right. She's not supposed to be Black Widow. And I feel right. like that's the only way these people know how to like Brett Ratner and his fucking crew. The only way they know how to like treat women is like that. Yeah. And Zack Snyder, too. I yeah. think that they don't really, you know, um, it that was just you know, uh, that's a character who should not be objectified. And, uh, and, and I know that they tried to play it even and uh, objectify the hell out of Jason Momoa when they got the chance. Yeah. But that character, that version of Aquaman, and I'm sure we'll talk about him, like, he seems like the kind of douchebag who, like, like he is the guy who's going to go to the bar without a shirt on, like, <laughs> to show off. Like, that's just, he seems like that kind of shitty bro. And you're like, all right, so I don't mind the movie objectifying him because i feel like he wants to be objectified but this objectification does not fit with wonder woman at all no it was disappointing and you know story-wise and character-wise and i thought there was parts where she's okay but i just thought she she just took too much of a back seat to batman in this and i know they sort of were like kind of showing a little bit of a transition from like batman kind of being the impetus and then kind of trying to push her to be more in the spotlight and i i don't know i don't know if i i kind of like Batman and Wonder Woman's like relationship, whatever you want to call it, like they're sort of the way they interact. I liked parts of that um, where they're kind of just basically calling each other out in their bullshit. But I just I wanted more of her. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She and I think she's the she is still the most charismatic and interesting character in in the movie, um, just like she was in the Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like, and again, this is that we're like, the movie gets like halfway to being interesting, halfway to being good, where it's like, oh, so like Batman is trying to be like, you no, know, like, yeah, maybe I'm like more behind the scenes and I'm kind of the strategist and, 
you know, I'm like more the executive board, but you're more of the CEO. Like you're the leader. You're there to inspire people and rally the troops. And I'm like, that's a nice little twist on this because it does seem kind of seem like this is all Batman's idea, but he recognizes that Wonder Woman is a better leader. I'm like, yeah, cool. But then they just kind of like, let's get to the part where they were, where we're fighting the flying monkeys. Um, yeah. Um, let's move on to Batman. So, okay. I don't hate that flick. I don't like the way they try to layer, put some humor into him, but I think as, as a character, like as both as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, I, I sort of like parts the way some of this, um, some of this interpretation, especially the slightly less sadistic and dour version that we got in this one, as opposed to Batman versus Superman. But I do. I also think that Snyder still does some of the best job of showing Batman like in combat, actually showing it as opposed to Christopher Nolan, where it's just like, I think something <laughs> just happened in that scene. Um, but what I really liked about this movie was that it kind of made Batman seem really fucking useless. <laughs> yeah. Because like everyone else is like Aquaman's out killing like 30 parademons and Batman's struggling to fight one. And you're like, oh, look at him try. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not like ben affleck as batman because i don't think ben affleck has i don't think ben affleck knows how to play anybody but ben affleck and i don't see bruce wayne i don't see bet i don't see batman i see ben affleck and that is i i chalk that up solely to you know to his performance um i it just it didn't seem there just wasn't anything to it he didn't seem to have any motivation he didn't seem to have any drive i mean like as a reminder in Batman versus Superman, he's being plagued by waking nightmares of the future that these parademons are bringing. And he was probably visited from the future by a post-apocalyptic flash to warn him. Like, this is a guy who, and now all of a sudden the parademons are showing up for real. And he's like fighting them on the streets of Gotham. I kind of feel like he should be a little bit more motivated about all this. He has literally seen the future that could come to pass, but he said instead he's like, I don't know, I guess we'll like find one and look at some boxes and then I guess I'll put the team together. Like it just, he doesn't seem all that driven to solve this problem. Um, and he just doesn't seem like he cares and not in a, you know, and Batman's whole job in this movie is to care and to motivate the team to like come together and solve this problem. I just, ugh. Yeah, I think they could have, because I think you, like, you're talking about how they were sort of trying to build up that, like, this is Batman's idea, but he's not really a great leader. And he's not. And I think this movie was, like, at points was just... It was hard to say if the movie was trying to show you that Batman's a bad leader or Ben Affleck was just phoning it in. And that's sort of how I felt about a, a lot of the time of it. But, you know, yeah, it's it's just... I mean, maybe we'll be getting Jake Gyllenhaal soon. Who knows? But... um I do say that other Batman, I've been kind of grouping related areas since once again, this movie sort of just takes place in like its own couple little bubbles. Um, I, I, once again, like Zack Snyder has a way of bringing some stuff from the comics to the screen that look really good to me. And like Gotham is one of those things. Like it just really yeah. kind of feels like Gotham to me. Like, and like no one did a decent job. It just kind of just felt like Detroit or something like that, or like a gloomy side of Pittsburgh, which is where it was mostly <laughs> filmed. But it really, I mean, I know it's like super CGI and stuff, but it just kind of felt like the Gotham from the animated series or the comics I've read. Well, yeah. I, so actually that's a point. And again, this comes back to like the weird inconsistency of this movie. Like when we were in kind of that hyper-realistic Gotham of the opening scenes and I was like, cool, I, I can, I could, ex I can live in a superhero world that is this 
heightened realism and it's more cartoonish. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. But then we switch to more like a much more realistic metropolis that's clearly shot in like a real city. And then we're going to other real locations. And it just, there's this, again, the seams are showing Yeah, that sure. um, if everything was the way the Gotham looked, I, this movie would feel a lot better. But then we end up in, in this, you know, town in Russia that looks like a call of duty level. And <laughs> it just, I, it, yeah, inconsistent. I really liked that version of Gotham. And I was like, let's do a, you know, and then let's have a version of Metropolis that is equally hyper real, but more bright and sunny and optimistic. Um, yeah. With like a slightly futuristic or like retro futuristic kind of feel of some of the architecture, like I imagine Metropolis always had in my head. Yeah, no, I, I'm visualizing it now in my head and it's awesome and it sucks that they aren't willing to commit to something like that. But so cyborg. Um, uh, so first of all, I felt like he looked bad most of the time. Like his, the, the, the robot body just didn't look believable to me. I don't know. There, it just, the proportions didn't seem right. I, I'm not exactly sure what was wrong with it, but it was wrong. Um, and he really seemed like, his whole job was just to provide techno babble about the plot devices. Interesting. See, I'm actually going to disagree. I, for me, cyber was my favorite part of this movie because I just thought that he was, he was different. I will say sometimes this, like his suit didn't look great. The CGI and different lightings and stuff didn't always hold up the best. Although for some reason they show him at the end, like transforming it to a much better looking suit. I'm like, why didn't you just give us that suit? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> The one that's a little bit easier to probably CGI too. Uh, I thought that the actor did a really good job, and I know it was supposed. To, and it was like a, a great, another tortured character, but like he kind of has a reason to be. He's like you know trying to fight this like alien technology in his body, and also survived a horrific accident and is more machine than man, twisted and evil. No, um, <laughs> but his powers are cool. His position in the plot. I mean, he was a little bit of a plot device, literally, but I was okay with that because. For once, we have a character who's not just punching people. Um, so I don't know. I just, I really liked it. I, I would, I wish that, I think a cool way to do this movie would have been to like frame it from Cyborg's perspective hmm. and like have him be, and like some of the other stuff that happens, we wish wouldn't have seen. And he sort of gets like recruited and it's sort of like from his perspective as sort of like, in at least in, in this time, he's a founding member, but in our mind, sort of a junior member of the Justice League, if you will. Um, I will say the one thing that's terrible was like the really forced booyah. Ugh. Uh, there were a lot of those yeah but this one is particularly bad because that's what i don't know if you ever watched like you were probably it's probably past your time but the, that teen the original teen titans cartoon it was it was i was already almost too old for it when it was on so you were definitely were because you were like 40 um but that was like his catchphrase and i was like oh god uh, don't do that like it just don't i mean adult cyborg would not say that this is a this is a kid show about kids for kids like he said the word booyah. yeah it's like it don't make it a thing so but yeah, I, I I don't know. I enjoyed him, but I would watch I would watch a cyborg movie probably. See, yeah, I don't I didn't have a huge problem with the the way he was characterized. I think that it makes a lot of sense, but he felt a little out of place. And in the movie that's supposed to be kind of moving fast and giving me really like tight economical explanations of the characters, I felt like I heard a few too many times, like, I didn't ask for this. Like Yeah, I agree you know, with you. I feel like it just it, that was a little bit overdone, and I don't know. I like I kind of like my superhero teams to feel like a D and D party where everybody kind of plays a different role, and so I understand the speedster and and you know what he does. Although 
a little bit of overlap with some of the other characters, but like, so he's like good with technology, but that's kind of what Batman does in these movies. Like Batman just drives around toys that you can buy. <laughs> um, but the, but then it's like, oh, well, maybe he's your like ranged guy and he shoots, but no, Batman has guns and, oh, but he can fly. Well, so can everybody else apparently. It's just like, I'm not really sure what role he plays on the team other than like doing some R2-D2 shit of jacking in to various <laughs> technologies. So yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't hate the character. I just feel like a little bit underused and um, I'm not really sure what role he plays like as a functional member of the team. But then again, that question comes into play for everyone once Superman's in play. That is true. Uh, and, or even just some of them, like, I mean, talking about overlapping power sets, like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, just like literally just punching people. I mean, I'm glad they have Wonder Woman keep her sword and shield. Cause I think it adds a lot of cool and her whip and like adds a lot of cool flavor to her character as like a warrior. Cause like a lot of versions of Wonder Woman that I've seen, like she doesn't do that. She just punches things. So I'm glad they sort of kept that and also kept her. I mean, she seems strong. And I mean, once again, we get to that problem with Thor or like in Thor, where like, I'm not really sure how relatively strong people are to each other. And like, what can kill Wonder Woman? Like, can a bullet yeah. kill Wonder Woman? Like, I don't think so because she took a couple headbutts from Superman that she didn't even seem. I mean, she was knocked down, but she seemed fine. And that thing would have probably cracked a planet. So, uh, let's move on to the Flash. Uh, yeah, I hated everything about this character. Oh yeah, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. This is literally a Big Bang Theory character made into a superhero. Oh my god! No, it was like it was. It was. I, I'll take you one further. Somebody said take fifty percent of Tom Holland's Spider Man and fifty percent of Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, and he's the Flash. Like number one, it was just so poorly written, and I've seen that stereotype of like the, the you know the nerd who says who you know who who always says what he's thinking and might be a little autistic, like. Just so annoying and bad and just overdone. I've seen this character type overdone so many times. And Tom Holland pulls it off as Spider-Man because his enthusiasm about the other characters feels so genuine and infectious. And Tom Holland does such a great job of making you feel like a teenager who just got superpowers. Yeah. So you can empathize with him. He's got so much more charisma than this character who is just all of just the... Ugh, just slimy, big bangy um, nerd writing that just is so, so, oh my God, it's really Batman. Oh my God, it's really Superman. And the other part about that that bothers me is that because that's so unearned, um, especially because the other movies kind of set up that um, a lot of people weren't sure about Superman and a lot of people weren't sure about Batman. Batman especially. Like that dude was getting like smeared on the news. Mm -hmm. So... We as the audience are supposed to have mixed feelings about them. And then this guy's like basically instructing the audience, hey, let me tell you how awesome the characters are in this movie. This is how you're supposed to feel about these characters. Oh my God, Bruce Wayne's in my lair. Like, it's just so unearned and cheap. Oh, I I I I wanted to like this character and I thought I was gonna like this character, but because he seemed he at least started to seem like kind of a real person in this world of outsized, underwritten cartoon characters, but then I realized like Oh no, this is just a very, very tropey, cliched character. Ugh. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I cr like, he's a walking cringe for me. Every single time he said or did anything, I was just like, oh, like, I mean, visually, some of the, like, the, some of the speed effects were fine. Like, I, it's a little too much lightning for me. I don't really think that's necessary. Yeah. Like, we get it. He's moving fast. Um, I will say, and so this is one of those times where I mentioned, like, knowing that 
I could tell it's a Whedon scene just because of an understanding of these characters and some of the some of the mythos around them. When they're when they resurrect Superman and they're trying to restrain him, and the Flash is running around the side, and then Superman like turns and looks at him, and that oh, sort yeah. of slow mo fight scene where it's just like the Flash is always supposed to be a little faster than Superman, and yes. that's their dynamic, and like they just nailed that scene so perfectly because it was just a little faster, but you know. Uh, I was just so good because he, he turns his head. You're just like, oh, no, you fucked up. <laughs> well, all right. So I want to talk before we talk about any other characters. I want to talk about that scene, which is the best scene in the movie. Yeah. The, the evil Superman scene is the best scene in that movie. And I mean, just the way that they like they bring him back and instantly you get the sense of how powerful Superman is in this in this universe. And um and they, they do such a good job of demonstrating that, nope, he's a little stronger than Wonder Woman, but he's a little bit slower than The Flash. But also, man, Henry Cavill did a great job of just that look that he gives The Flash. And then, you know, Ezra Klein's reaction of like, holy shit, I've never seen this before. What's <laughs> going to happen now? And yeah, like he's just, and he's always like just dodging. It was so well done. And just like the way that, you know, the almost like godlike presence that Superman was projecting that whole time of like when, you know, when he's having the headbutt battle with Wonder Woman and then he's just like, then he just kind of levitates and then slams her into the ground, like cool action moment, but also like you're in awe and you're terrified of him. And if you say that was a Whedon scene, great. However, I will say pretty bummed out with the way they ended that scene because... It, it it's exactly the same kind of stupid trope that they ended the big Superman Batman fight in the first movie of hey remind one of them that girls exist yeah and and then they'll like oh that'll soothe their savage heart and that's just sexist and gross yeah uh, I felt the same way I mean I, it seems like kind of knew it was coming because it's like the obvious play because of the Lois Lane connection whatever but no yeah I, I definitely agree with you but up until that point. I was just loving that scene. Cause like I said, like you, you're, you're talking about, is like the understand how these characters relate to each other and just like what they look like when they're on screen together. I just felt like that screen, that scene really captured that. Um, so yeah. So basically about the flash, just go watch the CW show. You idiots. Like you already kind of nailed Barry Allen on there. Just copy that. It's fine. Like, especially cause Batman's older, you can have like a normal ass, whatever dude and not have him be some stupid fucking oh god this came this so this happened this you know this weekend and then all, i was out at a bar this weekend and i don't have cable so i don't really know what's on tv um did you know there's a show called little sheldon yeah when the fuck what why and it started this season why because uh, because there are hours of the day on in which the big bang theory is not on uh, so that, that was like a double whammy of just like i hate this everyone stop please yeah, I, I, and another thing I hated about the Flash was also his little intro scene where he goes and sits down and have, has a talk with his, uh, his dad, who's like an off-brand Eric Bana, and <laughs> um, like that scene, and the, there's a, there was a lot of this writing in the earlier scenes, especially Wonder Woman's like fight scene, um, where characters are just like almost saying straight to the camera the most lowest common denominator. Uh, easiest way to talk about their thing to like just like straight to camera almost like when she's she's got the one dude by the um 
a bank robber terrorist, whatever. She's got him with a lasso. And she's like, what are you? And he's like, we're a small group of reactionary terrorists. I'm like, that's not what you would say. Even if you were telling the truth, you wouldn't be like, just be like straight exposition line. Like, yeah, he would say it some other way. Like, like if you, if you somehow gave an ISIS fighter a truth serum, he wouldn't say like, we're a band of Islamic extremists, terrorists. He'd be like, he'd say something like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, holy warrior fighting for the caliphate or something like that. Not, you know, again, hero of your own story. And this guy's just saying to camera. So anyway, back to the flash. Yeah. No one calls themselves reactionary. (laughs) Right. Right. It's not a useful, it's like a a, a positive term you say about yourself. Yeah. Um, Or mentioning that you're a small group of, you know? Yeah. Um, And also no one calls themselves a terrorist, right? Uh, oh, they're freedom fighters or they're holy warriors. But anyway, so the scene with the flash, he's talking to his off brand, Eric Bana dad. And it's just like, just overflowing with like the sweatiest metaphors of like, son, you can't stay here. Cause I'm standing still. You need to move. And like, I'm like, fucking stop. I get it. He's the flash and his yeah. dad's in jail. I don't need, why do I care that his dad's in jail? I don't. All I need to know is like, this is a completely useless scene that never gets paid off on again. And, oh, it was just, and that was, so I, th- that put a sour taste in my mouth about the flash, the whole, for the whole rest of the movie. But also the flash did nothing to take that sour taste out of my mouth. It just got worse. Fuck that guy. Oh, it was terrible. And fuck the people who wrote him that way. Yeah. It's really disappointing. Cause I really, I've really come to like the flash as a character and it was just like, Bleh. I hope this one goes away. Just, you can just cut this. Um, this, which is the problem when movies have some good, like when bad movies have good things in them, because then I feel like those good things are now, now wasted. Yeah. So there's a bunch of those feelings for this movie. Uh, speaking of, so Aquaman, I'm, I'm a little 50, 50 on this one because I hated like the stupid aqua bro moments. Like, Ugh, you know, just yeah. like the, Ooh, yeah. And the whatever is like, please no, like don't stop listening to five finger death punch. And like, like just let's, let's go over. But the scenes when he was like, kind of a normal guy and like his, I do like the aesthetic look, even though, like you said, it's like, yeah, you're really trying to show, like, look at this guy's pecs. Yeah. Uh, it reminds, sometimes him being on screen reminds me of that The Rock joke from Big Mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trailer. Yeah. But, I, you know, and along these lines, like, the scene in Atlantis was also super cool. Like, oh, you, with, um, I did, yeah. I, with, Amber, uh, what's her name? The character or the actress? Both. Uh, that's Amber Heard. And I think the character is Mira. Mira? That's right, Mira. Yeah. Like just the way they're using water to like, when she like pulls the water out and like, yeah, all the guys fall because they were swimming in it. Just like the way they handled some of that stuff is cool. Kind of made me interested to see like what they might be doing. If that's kind of the tone and like style they're going for Aquaman, I might be interested. But um, so I, you know, there was parts of Aquaman I liked and a lot of parts I did not like, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think the, the, the bro stuff was, and again, it's just, it was was gross and didn't fit and didn't make sense. I mean, no. he's like an Atlantean prince. He wouldn't, but again, it seems like they just cobbled together like two existing things. Like they were like, hey, what if we just took Thor, who's like really cocky, but also has the chops to back it up. And also, you know, he's like a prince and, you know, he's got all that going for him, but also made him a surfer. <laughs> like, it's just like they just took two things and just crammed them together and like, ah, we got it. We got our Aquaman. And it just, it doesn't hold together. Like, I don't, I don't mind the idea of like, 
Aquaman. He's like this Atlantean, like he loves battle and action. And he's really kind of like, you know, uh, a lot of testosterone. He's horny and like all that's like, I don't mind that characterization, but then to bring him in and have him say things like my man. Like, where did you get that from? Because you're from Atlantis, and when you're not in Atlantis, you hang out in Iceland. Like, that's not how, like, <laughs> Scandinavian fishermen talk. Where is this coming? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But I feel like if they didn't have that, it would just be, like, underwater Thor. In which case, I don't know, think about it for another 45 minutes, and you'll come up with something. You guys are smart. Yeah, I think that this is probably the best, the character that is most damaged by the inconsistent the inconsistencies of the movies like from scene to scene this character was completely different in my, some yes. like in my eyes so that's why i feel a little split because i'm like in some scenes i kind of like you know like i think the scene when they were like talking and he got he was sitting on the whip by accident like i was like okay like i kind of get where this guy's coming from but then other scenes just like please stop just just stop showing him so well that leaves us with, with the last one i guess the big man yeah um I mean, for the 45 seconds that he was on the screen, <laughs> um, I was actually kind of happy to see a Superman who kind of acted like the kind of Superman I want to see. Like, we were edging closer to a characterization of Superman on screen that makes sense, who has that kind of um, Christopher Reeve kind of optimism and Boy Scoutishness um, and just seems like friendly and you kind of want to be around him. And he seems like a cool dude, not just a prick like he was in his first two movies. <laughs> Um, I'm like, yeah, I kind of like this version of Superman and the evil version of Superman serves as a really good, like reminder of like, oh yeah, this guy has a dark side and actually kind of setting up that there's a dark side and a light side to Superman and we kind of have to keep him on the light side of things. I'm like, oh, that actually kind of reconciles the first two movies. Um, uh, yeah, I, he kind of worked. Yeah, I, I would agree. I is a I think it's a pretty obvious like course correction, uh, which is fine because you needed to correct that course because dark and gloomy Superman is not something I want to see, at least not as our main universe Superman. If you want to make an injustice movie, fine. But do it in a separate earth and not have it be a continuous not have it be our main Superman. We need we need a regular old normal ass Superman first before we can do crazy tyrannical or crazy dark gloomy superman so i i do think i mean I, even just when he showed up to the final fight some of the things he said i'm like they were dumb and goofy but it was like yeah that's what superman would say like right <laughs> dad jokes yeah dad jokes and like I, I actually i'm pretty sure i said when he was in the like you know he's like uh something like oh i i believe in truth and i'm also partial to justice i think i said out loud in the theater i was like jesus christ <laughs> but on the other hand you're like no that kind of works for him but what I need is the other characters around him to kind of also not be full of quippy one bad one-liners like that. Right. Like I need the other characters to look at him and be like, Yeesh, come on, soups. Um, I mean, it's similar to Captain America's role where she's exactly. just like, oh my God, what are you, what, what is with this dude? Like, <laughs> Right. So. It, it's exactly the way it, it, it should be. But then like they read that line and the movie kind of expects us to just take it at face value. And I guess, that's a like cheer for him there. And I'm like, eh, not really working. Um, kind of, I gotta say frost breath as the big super move that takes out the bad guys. Ugh, no, no, on. man. I was all about the frost. Breath. You like, like, yeah, the we frost gotta get breath? more frost breath. It what? was just, it was just so goofy. It was like, yep, that's what, that's what Superman would do. Like he, he doesn't always want to punch things. And it just felt like 
parts of that last battle, like the last battle scene, like it had a lot of the dumb Snyderness, just like everything's just like a weird brown color. And yeah, you know, it's in this another like mostly CGI barren landscape because I don't know. I think I think Snyder, like he's so scared of how much pushback he got for how much destruction he did in Man of Steel. Man of Steel. That he's like scared to have any civilians anywhere nearby. He's just like, I don't, I don't hate civilians. Well, uh, I think I also think part of it is it's cheap and easy to animate. Yes, your big battle scene if it takes place in an, a big empty desert. Yeah. Then or an or nondescript concrete silo. Right. Then you know on the streets of Manhattan. Um, Definitely true. So there's one other thing I want to talk about, and just the the kind of failure of storytelling in this movie. And that's the Superman resurrection bit. Okay. Like, I feel like they set that up so poorly and it just came out of nowhere. And it it's just, you feel like if Batman had been making the case from day one, like guys, I've seen the future. It looks really shitty. I think we need to bring back Superman. And I think one of these boxes is going to do it. And they were all like, nah, dude, that seems gross and bad and weird. And we shouldn't do that. And then you get to the point like later in the movie when they have their first fight with Steppenwolf and they get their asses handed to them, which they didn't really lose all that bad in that first. But then like if they really got the shit kicked out of them and then Batman could be like, how about resurrecting Superman? You'd at least be like, okay, I get it. And I've, we've established the tension that it might be a bad idea. But instead we get this like two minute conversation about why it might be a bad idea. But all of a sudden like they're talking about the the box and how it works. And then all of a sudden... Bruce Wayne just slides in there. Hey, maybe we could use it to resurrect Superman. And you're like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? Why yeah. was this on your to-do list? It's like the worst lead up to the best scene in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like the worst part of the movie also leads to the best part of the movie. Yeah, no, it it just really felt like it's just more than anything, like we need to resurrect, like this movie needs to resurrect Superman and they don't really know how to explain how to do it. Like maybe there is, like I said, there's like probably two hours of footage sitting on that cutting room floor or like that we'll never see. Maybe there's more in there. Maybe there's, you know, I know there's some scenes cut, which might also help some of your Steppenwolf issues, like why he wasn't there. Like, because he shows up in the deleted scenes or like the extended cut of Batman vs Superman. Yeah. And I think it was something like maybe he was like imprisoned on the ship or something like that, like that he like wasn't around or something. Because you see him sort of escape and it sort of sets up the next movie, which, you know, if you're going to, you know, in that already two hour and 45 minute movie, you think if you're going to set up your next one, just throw yeah. it in there. I think it's, 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 it's really just a question of pacing and you know, like foreshadowing yeah. because it just comes out of nowhere. And, Definitely. you know, not only the fact that this is a thing that we could do, <laughs> use it to bring Superman back, but also that they even need to bring Superman back. Like I was just expecting him just to show up in the final fight, but they didn't really seem like they had all that much trouble with Steppenwolf in the first fight. It was like, I don't know, you guys kind of almost had him. He just kind of narrowly escaped. Like take another whack at it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What, what did you think of the stingers? Oh, um, I, I did not care for the race between Superman and the Flash. Thought that was overdone. I like the idea of it, but thought thought that yeah, that it was a little too much. Yeah. Um, and the bit with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke's horrible, horrible hair dye and fake ass mustache. <laughs> I mean, I you know, cool. Lex Luthor just got out of prison. Fine. I don't care how. He's got a cool yacht. Great. He's becoming a James Bond villain. Perfect. Um. He's, you know, we, he was on screen for four seconds. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to comment on the performance, but. I will. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate Eisenberg's Luther. I just hate it so much. But Deathstroke showing up like 
in full battle gear costume with both his swords on his back. Like that just seems so like comic booky and dumb. Like, no, just go in like an outfit. I mean, I know you wanted to like set it up, but it just, uh, it felt a little overdone and weird. Um, I mean, I like the idea that we might be getting a Legion of Doom and that we might have some like recurring bad guys because we talked about that on the last episode. Like that's going to help any of these things, having some recurring villains who are fun to watch and maybe every once in a while have to side with the heroes. Um, I could get into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. The die job was really bad. I mean, it was like, yes, we know he's supposed to be like gray, but like make him look realistically gray, not comic book gray. It just looked bad. But I mean, the armor looked good, but it really they really kind of nailed the armor in the in the, in the arrow show so like it just kind of looked like that which is like a, like a slightly more expensive version um uh, but yeah i didn't really dig that i mean i sort of wonder even why they included it because they seem so tenuous with this whole universe anyway yeah and from box office performances and critical reception eh, i don't know if they're gonna stick with it so why feel the need to like include that yeah but I tell you the one that has me thinking the most is, and I, I think it was, it wasn't even a stinger. I think it was just the last scene where they're walking into what I guess is the old burnt out Wayne Manor and are deciding to set it up as the hall of justice. Yeah. Um, but more because I, I, you know, it has me wishing for what these movies could be, but clearly won't be like, I really like the idea of Bruce Wayne as like, he's not even Batman anymore. Like he's Bruce Wayne and he is running this Justice League, but you're not quite sure if you can trust him. He's the money man and the master strategist, but he's also maybe a little bit unstable and he might have some ulterior motives. He keeps a lot of secrets and like you can see this like brooding Bruce Wayne, you know, um, almost like the Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond where, you know, um, he's well past his prime um you know, kind of brooding and, and running the show. And then you can have more of this tension between, you know, what is the Justice League and what is it doing? And what's Bruce Wayne's influence? And, you know, um, he's training a younger generation of Batman and how do, what are they doing? And like, um, there's a movie out there that really excites me of um, where, you know, Bruce Wayne is no longer Batman, but he is the mastermind of the Justice League and brings a lot of tension and darkness to it. Um, but I don't think we're getting that. Yeah, I, I doubt that. Uh, I be, I'd be curious to see that too. I really don't. I mean, I'm really curious to see what said so this 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 film is performing. Not great. It'll probably do well enough because it is a superhero movie after all, and every superhero movie performs well at this point apparently, but not nearly as well. I mean, it had like what's a thirty million under what Batman vs Superman did its opening weekend, which is already not as much as they wanted it to be. So that's not a good sign. And we're sitting at a solid like thirty. 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, but I think there's some positive fan buzz around it, which is, you know, which is good, but I really don't know where they're going to go next. I mean, they're bringing out this Aquaman movie because it's already made. So at least they're going to commit it? that far. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like done filming, I think. Huh. Uh, it's the next one on the docket, but cause that's, the only, that's the only one with the release date. Everything else I've just been holding off to see how this movie goes. So I don't really know what the right, honestly, if I was in DC shoes, I wouldn't know what the right step was because... I said, there's some good stuff that they, I mean, a few good things they did that I would hate to just jettison completely. But at the same time, that reset button is still looking mighty fine. What I would, if I were, if I were DC, what I would do is I would, so Marvel was lucky because their first hero, Iron Man, 
was such a huge hit. So then you just put an Iron Man in as many things as you can. And Iron Man is kind of the, the, the lodestar of uh, everything you do. You know, you, that's your tone. That's your, um, that's your character who is showing up in a lot of movies and being a big plot driver. And I think you need to do that with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is your Tony Stark. And you need to make your movies a lot more like Wonder Woman. You need to put her in as many movies as you can. And you need to make her the focus of a lot of things. They're trying to put Batman at the center of all this. And that's a bad idea. They need to put Wonder Woman at the center of these movies. I agree. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, what, one of the, yeah, I think Wonder Woman is the only optimal choice because you can't really put, even though I've, I like this new version of Superman, you can't put Superman in every movie because then what's the point of having the heroes? Because Superman showed up at the end movie and was just like, well, Superman's here. This guy's yep. done. <laughs> <laughs> Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> Because and like it's hard because to have Superman not be that is not true to the character, but that's why he's a hard character to write because he's got to be powerful, super powerful. That's I mean, that's what he that's what he is. But then it, you know, in a cartoon or a comic, it's a little bit easier to write off like what Superman is doing when he's not on the screen because it's just like, well, you're not really usually caring about that. But unless they start bringing in some more heavy hitters and some more magic, since he's weak to that. Hmm. You know, I mean, do you hear that? Who they're great? Do you hear they casted for the Shazam movie to play Shazam? Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Zach Zach Levi. Yeah. Who is not? I mean, I, in my eyes, Shazam's supposed to be like the most broad-chested, like iconic superhero yeah. ever, even more than Superman. And like to cast that guy I was like, why? Yeah, that seems like a weird choice. But yeah, I I think that there's a that they have a way out, and I think that they they got halfway there with this. I would really like to see what happens if they made a movie and started from scratch, <laughs> rather than trying to like make a Zack Snyder movie more like a Wonder Woman movie. Um, if they started from scratch and tried to really reset the tone on this, I don't know how you make Superman work. Um, I mean, that's the million dollar question, billion dollar question is making Superman work as a franchise character. Um, and how do you make Batman work? Um, I don't know if they can. I mean, I, I thought they were close to, because like I said, like, the thing that made me, the th one of the things I liked about this movie is, like, they realistically showed what a Batman, or even, especially, like, an older Batman would do. Like, when Superman threw him into that car, like, he was done. Just like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a human. Like, you just wrecked my day. I am so hurt. I mean, it wasn't, obviously... 100% accurate because that car got crushed and that's yeah car. but no, like still like he, yeah he'd be dead but like he was still really hurt and yeah it didn't really play off in the next battle scene as it should have I think but still like I said like Batman if you watch these scenes like didn't do a whole lot in any of the battle scenes like no. at one point he's struggling over his his grapnel whatever gun for like a solid five minutes fighting off a parademon where like the other rest of the team has probably killed a hundred of them. And it's like, yeah, right. well, this is what a guy in a bat suit would do in this situation, AKA nothing. So if they can, like you said, they can kind of pull him to more of like a tactical support contingency, yes. like that kind of stuff. I I'm all about that. Cause that's sort of what Batman should be and, and can be some throw in some gadgets until he's out, you know, don't have him just be like an endless gadget thing. Cause that's also not, not a fun thing. And plus you've got cyborg for that now, but like you said, and he can't really be the leader. It's just, I don't know. It's a weird spot for him to be in, but I see it in my head and that's okay. And they kind of got there a little bit with this movie. So that's fine. You can nail it that way. But, you know, I, I would be interested to see, like you said, a, a fresh start. Let's lose some of the Snyderness and actually make one cohesive movie and see what happens. Like maybe it would actually be good. I do not know. 
I know that there are other ideas out there that are not good, like Suicide Squad 2 and Joker Scorsese movie and <laughs> a Flash movie starring Ezra Miller, etc. Yeah. Uh, I, I am a little bit curious to see uh, what Matt Reeves does with that. And this has, isn't confirmed, but uh, what he does with a post Ben Affleck Batman, because all signs point to Affleck is done bat- with Batman. Um, he has been going back to his waffling about it in interviews. And there are rumors going around that Matt Reeves personally does not want Ben Affleck in the film. And Ben Affleck is his name keeps coming up in sexual assault conversations, either as a perpetrator or enabler. And I think everybody wants him to stop being Batman, including Ben Affleck. (laughs) Um, So I have a feeling here once the marketing and promotional push for justice league is over. We're going to hear an announcement that he's, you know, going his own way and we have cast a new Batman. Um, I would like to, I would really like to see a Batman movie that is less about him punching bad guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I know that Matt Reeves mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal as like a potential candidate for to replace. I'm not really a big fan of that. I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but Honestly, when they showed him and brought him up in this context, which I never really thought of him as like a superhero context, I would rather see a Jake Gyllenhaal Joker personally, because that guy is super creepy in Nightcrawler, and I could see that working for a Joker. So I have two choices for a new Batman. Um, One, if you're doing a younger Batman, uh, which I know we're not, but if you're doing a younger Batman, I want Wes Bentley, um, who's been in a lot of things. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He was... um, most people remember him for being the kind of creepy boyfriend in American Beauty when he was much, much younger. He was an interstellar. Um, he shows up every year on um, American Horror Story for a couple minutes, but he just has a look. He has this haunted, intense look. He's got dark hair, dark eyes, like looks like a rich kid, classic Bruce Wayne, um, you know, kind of features, but he just looks like Oh, his parents were murdered and he beats people up because of it. Like he just has that look. Um, he's perfect. But for the older Batman to replace Ben Affleck, I think, I don't think there is any choice other than John Hamm. Mm. Or, well, I have one third choice. I have one third choice, but uh, John Hamm, look, we know he can play a rich asshole. I mean, Don Draper is 50% Bruce Wayne already. <laughs> um, we just have to convince him that like, I know, John, you've been trying to be funny lately. This is not a funny time. I'd just be Don Draper in this movie. Um, I do have a third choice, and I almost feel like they were hinting at this in this movie because they mentioned wind-up exploding penguins, but Alfred mentioned it, and you're mm-hmm. almost like, wait, are we to believe that this is uh, this is like the Batman, Batman Returns Batman? Like, is this the same Bruce Wayne as Michael Keaton? Bring Michael Keaton back. Ooh, not as, not as, but again, just as a like string pulling, like retired Bruce Wayne. Like Michael Keaton is Bruce Wayne and he is training a, he's training Dick Grayson to be the new Batman. And, you know, he's got a fucked up leg or a fucked up back and shoulder because of that time Batman or Superman threw him into a police car. And, um, and we can neatly tie up a lot of continuity there. And, um, uh, he, you know, I've always loved Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. He's just weird enough, um, <laughs> but also believable as a guy who grew up rich. Like he's got it. Um, 
Bring back Michael Keaton as your new Bruce Wayne. And no Batman action scenes. You hire some young guy to be Dick Grayson, um, and you put him in that suit. Um, I'm sure there's a, you know, one of the uh, one of the um, entry model Hems- Helmsworths. Why not? <laughs> I, I could see one action scene, like something out of Batman Beyond, where, you know, with Cyborg's help, he's built like a mech suit, and he tries to fight in it once, and like, you know, his heart starts to give out, and he just can't do it. I get something like that as a, as a way out, but yeah, so, huh, interesting. I don't have a choice yet. I don't really, I just think it's better just to, I don't know. I was really hoping we get one more Affleck movie where he dies and we get introduced to like <laughs> In the first Dick 10 Grayson. minutes. <laughs> yeah. And we get a, we get a battle for the cow kind of thing, but oh well. So do we have any, uh, recommendations? I have a recommendation. I have, well, t- three recommendations. Oh, Two, two are off topic, uh, only because I'm singular minded. So I'm, a, I would say a good chunk into Oathbringer, the third Stormlight Archive book, but that's not, I'm not really a good chunk at all. I've read like a bunch, but I'm only like that, that percent meter on the Kindle does not go up very fast for this book, <laughs> but it's, it's good so far. I would recommend starting that series if you have an interest. Second thing I recommend is I am four and a half episodes into Punisher and I'm kind of digging it. Uh oh. Yeah. If. This is one of the situations where I think that trailer was very misleading for the kind of show you were getting. Huh. Because we are like, well, up until the point I just started, just turned off to come do this podcast. The body count was probably under like 10 or 8 for the whole show. (laughs) Because, and Greg, there's something in there you're going to like, I think. And this is not a gun porn, like, oorah Punisher show. This is like, just... Everything about the military industrial complex is complex is terrible. And <laughs> this movie is showing you why at a lot of different levels. Huh. And John Bernfeld's I mean, performance is talk about a guy who who has like dead eyes and looks just oh man, he just looks terrifying. So and my third recommendation is actually on topic because I have watched, you know, one one area that people always talk about how DC shines is in its animated films. I think they've fallen off the, the edge the past hmm three to five years but uh-huh. for a long time they're consistently putting out awesome animated films you know direct to dvd or whatever so since we do justice league one of my favorites is called justice league new frontier have you heard of this no so this is a very stylized sort of like it's hard to describe but it it's it takes place in the 50s like right after the korean war so it's kind of like a golden age imagined you know so everyone's got kind of like their original look like batman looks like original batman superman looks like original superman got some really old some of the old original dc heroes in it and it's just this really really cool uplifting story of just like superheroes in the 50s being superheroes uh but listen to this voice cast Uh uh-huh neil patrick harris as the flash sure lucy lawless as wonder woman dig david borneys as hal jordan all right and kyle mclaughlin as superman Oh, 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 oh. I knew that one would get you. You said the magic (laughs) words there for me. Yikes. But it's really cool. And I really, it's like a really different kind of style of thing. I don't know who greenlight this because I never, I never imagine any studio being like, yeah, let's invest some money in this crazy idea. But it's really neat. So I'd recommend it. You can probably find it pretty cheap online somewhere. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but it, it did. It used to be, but yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for us. Um, we are going to go celebrate uh, the Feast of a Thousand Salts mm. coming up. Uh, and then I think 
as we get into December, we're going to start getting into a lot of Star Wars talk, including you are finally going to make do on a threat from a year ago and tell me about all that extended universe stuff uh, that apparently is no longer true. Um, and I am going to make good on a threat from about a year ago and give you my pitch for uh, a better prequel trilogy. Yes, I will be spending much of my Thanksgiving break doing, you know, going down memory lane, thinking about olden days of me devouring Star Wars book after Star Wars book after Star Wars book. And you're going to hear all about it. Yeah, you only have 90 minutes, though. I'm telling you, I'm not making a two parter out of this. <laughs> oh, come on, man. We got to <laughs> do like a four parter, like one for each era. You know, don't you think? I'm just kidding. But yeah, I think I can I, I can crush it down. I can crush it down. I'll just I'll just only go over like the medium important plot details. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll be here for, for months. So yeah, we lots of fun. A Star Wars month. Let's enough superheroes. We've been to superheroes a lot lately. And yeah, let's take a break. Getting some good stuff. All right, guy. Well, uh, I guess that does it for us this week and, uh, enjoy your holiday. You too. <laughs> <laughs>